Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? What's going on, Mark? How you been, man? I've been good, man. I've you been, ready uh, for a, you ready for another session of reef therapy? What number is this? This is uh, session number five. Dang. And um, I just want to point out to everybody listening or watching on YouTube that we're now currently syndicated across all major podcasting platforms. Um, so make sure to follow us and rate us on the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I just want to front load the uh, self uh, uh, promotion earring uh, in the front because we're going to get so. Um, I guess engrossed in the topic of discussion that I always forget <laughs> towards the end. It's not something I want to put towards the end. Um, but uh, yeah, man, reef therapy is really turning into um, kind of like a lightning rod for different discussion topics. And I know uh, one of our previous topics uh, was kind of a longer rant, but it, it resonated with a lot of people. You could tell from the comments. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, that's one of those where y- you hope people don't, take it in a negative light where they see the constructive part of it and mm-hmm. I felt reading some of the the comments back the feedback was that uh they did see it as constructive and and something that a lot of people agreed with yeah and for those of you that haven't listened or watched that episode um we basically just talked about the the quicksand of confusion that is surrounds uh animal names in the united states as far as like coral trade names and even fish common names and a lot of people commented and replied that you know they'd been sold abc and it turned out to be xyz and it's just not fair man there's just no other industry where you could sell a zucchini as a carrot or a cherry (laughs) as a strawberry and that would fly you know that's just not not okay especially if you have an allergy to carrots or cherries (laughs) Um, but we want to uh, kind of uh, take it down a notch for this topic, for this session, um, and just talk about the nanotanks. So reef therapy is officially in session. So Mark, tell me about some of your first experiences with nano reef tanks, because I know this is a kind of juicy. You go way back with nano reefs. Well, it, it's kind of funny because back when I started, my reef journey um and we when was I mean, that well uh 95 i guess yeah um here. so I, well first tank was a 55 so let's that's not a nano but uh you know once i hit you know college uh you know i set up a, a 29 which eventually i think became like a 34 gallon but it really wasn't called a nano tank back then right um i, I obviously tank sizes i think have become progressively larger in terms of what is considered just standard fare Mm -hmm. um a 180 today is not considered a big tank right back in the day that was a big tank i call that an average large yeah today but yeah today absolutely back in the day if i saw a 180 reef i was blown away right um and maybe part of that is there weren't a lot of custom tank builders around or or at least i didn't hear about them as much so people a lot harder but let's get back to the small end of things um well i mean from a historical perspective that's like my biggest thing is uh we've we've partitioned that whole thing off as almost it's a, a subcategory of the hobby 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, I don't think back in the day it, it was in that sense uh, much different. I think I think reef tanks were a lot smaller. Um, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about nano reefs, but uh, they're not so much historically significant, I guess. Uh, but you had you had a nano reef tank in by today's standards when you were in college, right? Yep. Yep. Didn't didn't you do an article about that for a certain magazine? Oh yeah yeah. Uh, that one was in uh, Aquarium Frontiers, a uh, little oceanic cube tank. I don't know if anybody remember those. They weren't true cubes, but... Uh, they were just called cubes, even though they had, like, rounded glass corners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a... Uh, um, I bought a... There was a fish store that sold all this secondhand equipment for super cheap. Right. Uh, I think it was called Catfish Charlie's. Catfish uh, Charlie's, man. I hadn't heard that one in a long yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, so there were all these beat-up old wet-dries. Uh, so I, I bought one because um, the whole refugium clerpa thing was starting to take hold. And uh, I, I pretty much just bought like an miracle wet-dry and took all, everything out of it and stuck some fluorescent light fixtures on it and uh, had a had a big old bed of clerpa. And then I had the, uh, everybody knows the, uh, the old CPR backpack skimmer. Oh, man, that's... That's another product that's had a lot of staying power up yeah. until very recently. It, I mean, I, I, I've always liked them. Uh, I've always liked CPR, the company. I thought they did some interesting things. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had a 250-watt uh, Iwasaki metal halide over it with uh, two extremely loud cooling fans that drove my college girlfriend, who is now my wife, absolutely crazy. <laughs> wow. So, so that's the one you wrote up for Aquarium yeah. Frontiers. And how many gallons was that? I, I want to say it's 34 gallons. Um, okay. I, I, you know, I kind of, it's totally arbitrary. What is a nano tank? Yeah. Right. But I, I kind of think like 29, 30 gallon would be like the max allowable within the nano community. And like you mentioned, there wasn't um, a specific de- designation for nano reef tanks back then because they were all mini reef tanks. Right. Right. There were miniature reefs. But what's funny is my first, I set up two tanks at the same time for some reason. I don't remember how that happened, but like one was an underground filter with dolomite and the other one, I don't know, hang on the back with the internal protein camera. But I set up a 29 and a 30 at the same time. And I remember I had, you know, a bunch of freshwater tanks. And I was just starting to dabble into saltwater and I just like fell in love with Catalina gobies. But I got my hands on some then, you know, kind of newer information that Catalina gobies were not tropical. Mm. And I actually kept a Catalina goby in a two-gallon tank with no filter and just a field of actual calerpa, like we've talked about in the past. Um, And, uh, yeah, that was one of my first kind of experiments with like a filterless aquarium uh, with a true, true nano tank. I'm talking about a you know, classic two and a half gallon aquarium. There was so much Calerpa, like the Catalina Gobi would just totally disappear in there. And, you know, the only thing that did special to make it tick is I kept it covered so that it, you know, water wouldn't evaporate. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that kind of goes into something I want to talk about later, but, uh, you know, I just remember having to go to the grocery store and getting, you know, uh, reverse osmosis water because I, I didn't have an RODI, right? So, God, you know, that's that's another thing. Price of ROs has not come down. Actually, I take that back. Some nano ROs from like Aquatic Life have, have gotten significantly cheaper, but a full blown RO system, 
is the same price as it was back then, which is, I guess, technically cheaper with inflation, but I don't, anyway, I don't run an RO. Um, but uh, you remember the uh, probably one of the most legendary nanos of all time. We're gonna we're gonna reference Mr. Sprung a lot on this show, but he had that I think like a 15 gallon, which first gallon. of all yeah. was like an oddball size. He had that 15 gallon tank that was overflowing with life. Corals growing on the glass, mangrove growing out of it. And you were weren't you the one telling me something about Audubon Society or something like an, uh, a write up on that tank? Yeah, I, I need to go pull that up one day. Um, yeah, that, I think that was the aquarium for reference uh, that Julian used as a counterpoint to this guy who wrote in the Audubon Society about, you know, stony corals and how we're essentially just killing these corals in our tanks. They're not sustainable. They won't grow in our tanks, all this other fun stuff. And, you know, it's like of all things to counter that. It's like, I mean, 15-gallon reef tanks are not uncommon today, but even though nano reefs weren't a thing, uh, keeping corals in a 15-gallon tank, that was really like, I, I, I think that was really uh, more advanced in a sense. Uh, there weren't a lot of people going with that little bit of water volume. So, And, I mean, the thing was so overgrown that I think it was – I never saw it in person. I didn't know Julian personally, but uh, just all the C-scope articles and stuff that I still have in this bookcase over here. Nice. Um, it looked more like a top-down, look-down tank, like the front of the glass. It was you know, so was, packed. Yeah. So packed. So you had a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I'm, I remember reading he had to putty up the overflows to raise the water level because the corals oh, wow. were growing out of the water. So, yeah. I didn't know that, but definitely. So I worked in the aquarium store retails front for a good many years between 95 to about 2005. And the number one piece of advice, the first piece of advice that you would give anyone trying to start a saltwater tank is buy the biggest tank you can afford. Not just the tank, but all the equipment. And there was just like this general agreement that small tanks are really hard to keep stable. I, I feel like there's a fetish on stability, which is doesn't reflect the natural environment. Um, but that's another topic altogether. But that was the thing, you know, and like I told everybody, get the biggest tank you can afford, get the biggest tank you can afford. And a lot of times, most commonly, that was going to be a 55, a 75, a 90. Oh, and if you're a big baller, maybe 120 gallon. <laughs> Well, and everything was DIY back then. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'd argue if you're setting up a 120, you know, a four by two tank, it's a little easier to DIY something like that in terms of what was available. But, mm -hmm. you know, the minute you park a 175 watt metal halide over a 15 gallon tank, that's, that's a different level of DIY, right? Like that's where it's not like you could just... Uh, you know, go and get your magazine and mail order like stuff for uh, for a tank that's 24 inches long, I think, back then as easily. Um, I mean, even the Tunzi line of skimmers and Comline filters, they were they were not big, but I mean, like a four by four box in a 15 gallon tank is sizable, right? So Yeah, you know, that's actually one aspect that I hadn't considered literally until you mentioned it. It's like, up until you know some of the smallest especially like screw-in power compacts became available there was no lighting choices for a tiny tank it was just not possible like okay you could find a very exotic rare 70 watt metal halide um 
but yeah, fluorescent tubes didn't come that short. T5s weren't even in the picture. And yeah, I guess I didn't even thought about how like the lighting technology kind of steered someone. Like if you had a 150 watt metal halide or a 175, you know, you can light up a good two foot square. At that point, you're probably talking about 30 or 40 gallon. So I hadn't even considered that, but especially like how much energy input that would give to, um, you know, your average nano reef tank. Um, but <laughs> I, I just have to tell you about my 12 gallon eclipse, which I know that you saw. I remember that. I don't know thing. if you saw it in full when I first set it up, but at that time I was kind of like an ice cap master as far as like rewiring stuff and through trial and error i figured out how to wire up two eight very rare 18 inch vho's and two short power compacts on my 12 gallon eclipse tank and i had to have an ice probe on there to chill it and i had to have like an actual <laughs> ato on there to make yep. up for the evaporated water but I think it really embodies how much nanotanks lend themselves to experimentation. And that's one of the super fun parts of nano reef tanks that I still admire to this day. I feel like the nano reef community embraces a lot of the, I guess, the mindset that I have. Um, I think you're more likely to see somebody pull out a biotope tank or a species tank or a very creative aquascape or a theme, just like, well, let's just boil yep. it down to a theme. It doesn't even have yeah. to be any of the things I mentioned, right? Um, very similar to like the planet tank community at times. I, I don't know. I just nano, you're, you're more likely to see something creative come out of a nano tank than, you know, some guy with a six foot reef tank. It's a, it's a huge commitment to do like a three or four foot reef tank that's just a clownfish colony yeah. or just a tank full of ornamental shrimp or, you know, an NPS aquarium. And like right now I am literally experimenting with NPS corals in a eight gallon tank that is in line with a larger system, but I don't want to start from scratch, like set up a whole dedicated aquarium for these corals until I kind of suss out a few key details. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, will will never replace how awesome it is to have an anna reef tank. Yeah, I've, I've always had a thing for marine plants, right, and marine algae. Um, I've, I've experimented with turtle grass and shoal grass and all that stuff. And whenever I was seeking inspiration or, you know, who else is tinkering with this stuff, it was always some nano reef. You know, it was mm. never... Uh, a guy with like a four foot or six foot tank growing turtle grass. It was like some guy with a 20 gallon and he's got, you know, some of the red algaes growing in there, red macro algaes and stuff and, and doing essentially a planet tank out of marine algae or, and, or some grasses. And I've seen, I've seen a few more people kind of you know, dabble in the marine algaes. I, I don't because I've kind of already done that yeah. <laughs> in larger tanks. And it's just, I don't know when you have a giant thing of, uh, dragon breath, uh, halaminia, I think it is. Um, it's great, but it's, you can't propagate it. You know, it has to have that hold fast. Um, but another thing that's really awesome about nano reef tanks, and this is especially good for like the young adults is that they're so easy to move. Yeah. Right? A lot of people have either they live in a dorm room or they have, you know, just kind of a transient living situation. 
and literally take one bucket, put all your corals in it, another bucket, put your one or two fish in it, and you know, another bucket, put your rock in it, and take it. I mean, it's like literally 30 minutes to tear down and put back together, depending on how much you have in it. Yeah, when I graduated college, I moved that 34-gallon all the way to Atlanta and uh, with all my fish and corals in a cooler. And my car broke down in Kansas. Oh, no. And I uh, ended up in a hotel, a motel, not a hotel. <laughs> and uh, I pulled out a heater, you know, and an air pump and brought the cooler into the motel room and kept everybody alive because it wasn't, you know, a lot of livestock to worry about. Got my car fixed, kept driving, and I just always laugh about that. Like, you couldn't do that with, a, like, a large reef tank, you know? Um, you, you know what I did, man? And I, I, I keep forgetting that I did this. I set up a nano reef tank in my hotel room the first magna I ever went to because I brought my own corals and actually traded with people. And I had people come up to my room. I think Tulio, Tulio De La Kia might've seen it. And I know he did that previously where he had uh, set up a, a nano LED. Why don't people set up more nano reef tanks in their hotel rooms anymore? I know it's not that common, but you know, I brought frags, I traded with some people and I took my frags back up to my room, put them back in the tank. And that was just like, one of the pimpinest things I've ever done at a reef show. <laughs> it was so much fun. Do you remember those octagon-shaped tanks, the little columnar, I don't know, they're like four gallons or whatever? Um, I have one. I use it just to store like random lids or something. Yeah, so my uh, my wife's folks, family, they all still live in Colorado. And um, that Steve Herlock story that you know about uh, with uh, – where, you know, he gave me a frag that was the size of a colony. Yeah, two-handed um, frag. I had no idea what to do because I was not going back to Atlanta for days. And mm -hmm. uh, they had one of those little tanks in their basement. And uh, Herlock gave me enough salt water in a five-gallon bucket. So, I, you know, it was just cracked me up. I set up like an Insta Reef with like these large colonies of acros with, you know, crappy lighting on top and a heater and kept it alive for three additional days before i had to fly home yo that just gives me an idea man i think it's when the shows come back and come back full force we should you should have like a hotel room insta nano reef competition you know who can set up like the most interesting tank but um i want to i want to move on on some of the factors that make nano reef tanks possible and just like we were saying with the high-powered lighting that we did have kind of steer towards people having a larger tank. Um, lighting up a smaller tank is so much easier, right? You don't have to... You can, you can use more power over a smaller area, and you don't have to punch nearly as deep. And so, you know, these years and, man, decades for you know, other people of telling people, get the biggest tank you can afford... Um, just really did not spur the growth in nano reef tanks until we realized oh my goodness you need less light for a smaller tank <laughs> oh man and i think it's also the same with the water flow right because of you know uh, reynolds numbers um, and viscosity at different scales if you move a little bit of water in a nano tank you essentially move all the water but it wasn't until the technology technology really caught up with like you know screw in double colored like white and blue compact fluorescent lamps and smaller pumps became available that things really took off 
Yeah, and the whole all-in-one, right? Putting the sump in the back. Uh, that, that to me, has been, again, going back to the day where you bought like a 15-gallon all-glass tank to now you actually have uh, surface skimming, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a game-changer for me. Like, having set up tanks with just an overflow filter at times, you know, a surface gunk. So you got this... All in one that handles surface skimming, chemical filtration. You know, you can fit some extra stuff back in there, like a small skimmer. But um, at the end of the day, when you're talking small water volume, you can probably get away with just a mechanical and chemical filtration without a skimmer. Mm-hmm. And water changes are, you know, 10 times easier because you can do a 50% water change. Uh, oh man, you're like easy. hitting five different topics at the same time that I, I have here <laughs> <laughs> written down. Um, but we'll come back to some of those points. But yeah. um, one thing that I wanted to uh, talk about with experimentation is, for some reason, like my nano reef tanks were so easy that they don't stick in my head as much as some of like the showcase reef tanks that I've done. But when I think about it, I was like, man, I've done some fun, really fun stuff with with nano reef tanks. Um, I think it was about let's call it 12 years ago 13 years ago i set up my first tank without live rock i remember that the eco reef one i used ceramics but back then it's like i started dry so you know right now that would be considered so pedestrian but back then i was like can you set up an animal, any aquarium without live, live rock? Can you do it? And so that was my first tank, Eco Reef Zero, um, that I used uh, uh, just, just like dry ceramic to start. Um, but man, that tank really taught me a lot of different things. You know, it only had an internal filter, like, like a Maxi Jet Duetto that I still have that has been around in some label or form for like 25 years, man. That thing is like still getting like a lot of traction. Um, it was also the first tank that I experimented with LEDs on because back then there were no fixtures, there was no color channel. So I had, I had three different LEDs. One was all blue, one was warm white, and one was one of the first um, dual color uh, spotlights. Were these those how, par bulbs that you could screw yep. into? Like yeah, they were all light? yeah, they were all um, par thirty eight and par twenty six. But I still have I have like a, a LED spotlight collection from those days. Half of those <laughs> spotlights I've never opened. I just have them to have them because now they're a piece of history. But if it wasn't for the nano tanks, like it wouldn't have been practical for me to buy. 20 of each of these little uh led spotlight lamps and but it was so much fun though like because you could find all kinds of different colors just on ebay and on amazon and they didn't have the color listed so you just had to kind of roll a dice and kind of see what you ended up with um but then after that eco reef zero i took it to the next level and i took out all the rock and i had just a glass box with the same internal filter and an elegance coral. That was literally the only thing in the tank. And the, the only biomedia was, you know, a small base of limestone that I glued the, the, uh, um, uh, the elegance coral to. There was a tiny piece of sponge that hitched a ride. I think there was one small muscle that was also kind of stuck to the base and then like one sexy shrimp. But it just really, 
opened up my eyes to stripping away, right? Because when we first started yeah. on reef tanks, we were literally trying to recreate the reef. We were just trying to do everything. And it was, God, it was, it was a breath of fresh air to be like, oh, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. I never tested the water. I only did 100% water changes with very clean water. And uh, sometimes in between the water changes, I would just put a tiny bit of carbon in the filter and all the corals would respond as if I had done a water change just by changing the carbon. Weren't you, I remember you were referring to it not as a reef tank, but as a coral tank or a coral <laughs> species tank, or I remember. Whatever you call it. Yeah, no, it was definitely like a, a spaceship for just one coral. Because it was, was a departure a, from trying to create like a whole habitat of organisms mm-hmm. to like, what is, what are the bare minimum things I need for this coral to thrive? Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I didn't have an ATO. I just kept a glass lid on it and that kept it warm. And, you know, if water doesn't evaporate, you don't need to top it off. You know, being a, a casual observer and knowing you for a long time, I'd argue that that was a very significant tank for you because your reef keeping habits or style or whatever you want to call it, pre and after that tank, there was definitely a shift. Like oh, where... Yeah. Um, like your tanks are more coral focused and less like, Hey, I'm trying to create a, a reef tank, right? Like you're absolutely. Um, I literally don't dose iodine because I don't want coralline to grow. I want the culmination of those early experiments to be like full growing acros introduced only from with tips so that there's never a piece of sponge. Like if you don't introduce like diatoms spores are in the air. Right. But if you don't introduce hair algae, if you don't introduce felonia, if you don't introduce turf algae, if you don't introduce flatworms or nudibranchs or sponges or just if you that stuff cannot just appear. Right. And so it's going to be I think we still have another 10 years before we get something approaching tissue cultured corals. But man, the freshwater guys, they don't know how good they have it with uh, all those tissue cultured plants they can get their hands on. It's funny because I had the opposite experience in the sense that uh i I always had a big reef tank and a nano and on my big reef tank i was chasing all the things everybody was chasing right like acropora how do i get more light oh the bases are shaded how do i do this oh let's try carbon dosing and then here in this room my home office down the basement i knew i wanted a reef tank to, to in here at one point but i didn't i wanted something completely autonomous and ignorable because I wasn't always down here back in the day, pre-COVID. I you know. love that, the concept of an ignorable reef tank, something that looks good, you can tune it up once in a while, but it can also coast for like three months. Yeah, it was like the, I, I jokingly always called it careful neglect, right? Um, so I, I, you rem- I think I wrote about this tank on Reef Builders, you remember it, yep. it was a, mm-hmm. a Solana tank and it, I threw a bunch of macroalgae in there, a bunch of soft corals and some fish and just kind of let it go. And it kind of went crazy, you know, it turned into more of a macro softy tank than anything. But ironically, I, I, I enjoyed looking at that tank more over time for a while there than my big reef that took all this effort and had, you know, all this flow and all these SPS corals and all this effort. Um, this, this soup of a <laughs> tank, you know, that was just hanging out in the corner of a basement. And I was just auto, you know, refilled a little auto top off reservoir. 
um, I just enjoyed that tank more. And I, I in a way, kind of like how you've evolved, I feel like that's maybe why I've ended up where I am, where I, I do now enjoy somewhat autonomous, you know, tanks that I can ignore and <laughs> abuse and they, they can take it, you know, not in a, not in a negative way, but, I, you know, I, I can kind of skirt that edge of, like, do the bare minimum to keep everything happy. Yeah, so... You know, we would be remiss if we didn't highlight how huge of an impact nano reef tanks have had for the business side of the aquarium hobby. I have this uh, eureka moment when one of my favorite uh, customer couples came in and they spent $100 on four frags keep in mind this was like mid 2000s people didn't really buy frags you know like hobbyists traded them but they spent a hundred dollars on four frags and they had like a 28 gallon bio cube and they had so much more room and then just like this light bulb went off i'm like oh my god you can sell a lot of coral to someone with a nano reef tank because before like so you had a 30 gallon tank okay you might be in it for 10 15 colonies average price i don't know like 50 bucks so it's final 1500 full retail value of back then but when i realized that i could sell these people upwards of 30 to 50 frags at 25 bucks a piece i was like oh my god we can the store can actually turn a good profit from nano reef tank customers because they can always add just like little bits, little bit of this, little bit of that. And at the time, no one was buying the, the small stuff. There wasn't small stuff. You know, you'd get shipped colonies of coral and they were like this yeah. big. <laughs> they were unmanageably big. I don't know how many corals I didn't sell because they were too big. Yeah, and there's a lot of corals now that have gotten the craze in different strains that I think are very nano-friendly, right? Zoanthids being a good example. Zoanthids um, are the perfect nano reef animal they're yeah. not a coral they're not a coral i'm just gonna, I'm yeah, gonna say this sorry. in so, in so many i'm not i wasn't correcting you but um zoanthids are zoanthids but yeah. actually that's kind of funny we come to this uh, crossroads because one of the things i'd like to do with my current red sea nano tank is um it's got green star polyps kind of going crazy and a couple euphelias that are getting too big and they're I just i don't want to frag them man i just want to take them out and put something else in there and so i'm thinking about turning it into my uh, my sun polyp collection because i have man i got some sun polyps i've been kicking around for a decade or more four or five varieties and i just love them they're the only zoanthids that i love besides purple pea bleeders palithoa grandis oh my god but i <laughs> that's the only thing that's the Mm, slowing me down here at the studios i need to do a video on how to properly frag very toxic zoanthids and then do another video where i put them all into the nano tank which i'm very much overdue for an update there's nothing to update it's just coasting <laughs> my, my only issue with nanos right now and i mean i get that they're built the way they are because of customer demand but um when i think back to being a young reefer or somebody just getting started um to me, like the biggest annoyances for when you introduce somebody to the hobby, right? One is, uh, well, it's questionable because most, a lot of people don't do it, but it's like, oh, you're going to set up this uh, nano reef. You're also going to have to buy this 10 gallon quarantine tank, right? Now, that's people will argue whether you need a quarantine tank or not. Me personally, I feel like that's a, but it, it, it is a pain in the butt that 
you almost have to advocate for a second tank for somebody that's jumping in potentially. The other thing is RODI, right? Evaporation. Um, it's just, it's always, a, to me, that's like a barrier where if somebody comes to me, a friend of mine says, hey, I really mm-hmm. like your saltwater tank. I'd love to set up just a, a little saltwater reef tank myself. Can you help me through it? And I'm like, all right, well, you're going to have to source like really pure water or like RODI water. Now, of course, that depends on where you live and what your tap water quality is. But um, one thing I'll, I'll give credit to the BioCubes, right, is uh, they're littered uh, and I don't know if you've ever had a BioCube, but evaporation on them is extremely low, right? Yo, um, I don't have an ATO on my Nano Reef because I have a lid and it's still, you know, the back is open. It's got a corner cut out so I can feed the fish. It's got a mesh underneath there. I have to top it manually once a month. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about, though. I, I had uh, the tank I had down here came with a glass lid. Uh, I have looked around at nano tanks out of curiosity, and they all come with either nothing or like a mesh green top. And for or me, a terrible and, lid. Let me just throw it yeah. out there. Just set up a nano tank from uh, a really nice beta for my wife and the lid might as well not be there it's just so bad but yeah you're right if it's meshed it's not really helping well and and it's not like oh well the the glass is gonna block out too much light like again going back to your point about lighting a nano a glass lid ain't gonna be a game changer but it will be a game changer in salinity stability and if you can get the evap down to the point that that 13-year-old kid that got a nano for Christmas can go, hey, mom, when you're at the grocery store every week, can you pick me up a gallon jug of reverse osmosis water from the grocery store? And that has him covered for that week. That's a much more approachable situation than, hey, mom and dad, I need to hook up this RODI unit to your house plumbing or to your sink, right? So that's my beef with a lot of nano reefs out there is that they're very uh there's like no incomplete. consideration about evaporation they are incomplete you'd have so to go get brings, glass cut for it right i mean that brings me to three different points one rodis are way overrated i use straight up carbon blocks i think it's really silly to strip the water get it as pure as possible and then literally reconstitute it with virtually the periodic table of elements you know um usually a a good high quality carbon block is just fine or just getting water from your store or your grocery store i I still remember man back in the day me and my buddies would like joke about like installing uh purified water dispensers at our store at our aquarium store and now that's a normal thing at the grocery store so that's fun that's one that's on the, the water purification side two i i think if you're selling a premium aquarium today it's not complete unless it has a, a lid solution and some of the mesh tops are i think we already covered some of this a little bit right <laughs> i think just it's just not complete until you have a real glass top or a lidded solution whether it's mesh top for a medium to large tank or a glass top for the smaller tanks um but to a bigger point is the all-in-one aquariums are so uninspiring now mm-hmm Right, I think every company has just settled on a very commoditized design. They have a partition in the back. 
okay, maybe a couple of the medium-sized 30-gallon nanos have two pumps or something like that. But man, that space, the space that has really fueled the reef aquarium hobby, not just in the sales of tanks, but now all the associated equipment, which I love, I love accessories, and, and the collectoritis that it fuels, it's just totally stagnated. Every glass box now is like, oh, partition in the back. Oh, and by the way, we're going to name the, the, the tank the full volume, not the display volume. No, I agree. I, I mean, not to harp on the mesh thing one more th- time, but if you sell a 10-gallon Nano with a mesh top, why? Right? Like, just give it a glass lid. It'll keep the jumpers in, and the dude has to worry a little less about his salinity jumping up in such a small volume of water. Um, mm-hmm. But to your point, uh, then it's like, okay, here's your all-in-one compartment, and uh, all right, let me go find a skimmer that fits it. <laughs> uh, let me stop you right there. Yeah. I, I get it that like nano f- tanks are really fun and really fun for experimentation. And some people like to have an auto top off and a controller and two AI primes and just all the bells and whistles on a small tank. I get what kind of tank that is, right? Uh, what do they call those? Like rice burners, the civics, you know, little civics where you just add all the, the components, all the aftermarket stuff sure, onto it. Yeah. But I really think if your tank is average, and if you don't know whether your tank is average or not, it's average. <laughs> if your tank is like 20 gallons or less and it's not like just absolutely SPS forest, you should not have a protein skimmer. You should never test the water. And you should just, that's a great tank for auto water changes or I just agree. a manual water changes. Like five minutes and you siphon out five gallons of water from your tank, put five gallons of water back in, done. You just reset everything. That being said, I have had some fun, small nano glass protein skimmers on some of my uh, nano reef tanks. Um, but you're, you're right. Like, there's definitely some incompleteness to these so-called all-in-one tanks that are, are being provided. I, w- I, w- I would harp more on the heater department than yeah. the, the protein skimmer. Yeah, not well, going to get started on how terrible the, the heater landscape is. I was right about now. to say, I, we could spend a whole hour on heaters. Uh, I've got some some grinding gears on that one but um no i i agree uh there's there's those guys that pimp out their tanks and that's cool and they're customizing it but um it's it's funny how if you just get somebody that just wants a nice you know mushroom or zoanthid little nano tank and they want to have advice like really there's just for that commonplace, like in terms of the heater selection, return pump selection, it gets, it gets squirrely. I mean, um, there's, there's not as many options, I guess, is what I would say. Um, this is true. And you know, the, um, I think part of the reason there hasn't been nearly as much development in the nano nano space, um, you know, a Nero five, a Nero three. Okay. Yeah, sure. They're small little water pumps, but those things will push, you know, like a, a Nero three is good for like three feet of, of, of flow distance. A Nero five is up for four feet. So they're not exactly nano, like they're small, but it takes the same amount of development and manufacturing pretty much to make a pump that is good for a 10 gallon tank. And as it is for a 50 gallon tank, you know, that kind of sucks. You get, you know, at scale and large stuff, you need more components and then the cost adds up. But then when it gets small, you're still talking about like R&D time and there's just not that many savings to be had. 
Um, the, that being said, man, like just regular old little power heads, even little small propeller pumps. Um, yeah, I, I do like the accessories around nanotanks. Yeah, I just think, you know, I, I'd like to see more more young people get into the hobby, and a nanotank is the easiest avenue for them to do that. And so I feel like they should think about that. I mean, I feel like the most beginner-friendly nanotanks are the biocubes in the sense that the, nobody, you don't have to make a selection about lighting or, you know, you don't have to worry about evaporation. Um but I mean, why aren't there more options like that, right? Um, um, I, I like the innovative tanks a lot, but again, you know, give me a glass lid. Um, you know, you, you know, like a glass lid seems like a really unsexy, romantic thing to talk about. But we're literally talking about keeping in the heat, keeping in the water, keeping in the fish, negating the need for an auto top off. Like it's a huge part of it. And these nano reef tanks that come with a 50 cent mesh screen top, like, come on, man, <laughs> come on, guys, is this the best we can do? No, it's not. But I, I think we should, as a hobby, come together of like, what is a baseline nano reef tank? Yeah. You know, little nano tank, little LED. If you have a lid, you're probably going to keep enough heat that you don't need a heater or an auto top off. So <laughs> I didn't realize we were going to talk about lids. No, I know. I, I'm harping on that, but it, no, it, but you're it right. boggles my mind that I would have to go to a glass shop and have one made for a, a 10 gallon all in one nano. <laughs> you know? You're totally right. I mean, that doesn't have to be glass, yeah. it can be acrylic. Yeah, polycarbonate. I don't care. You know, just. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I picture that kid with one in his bedroom who's asking mom to pick him up a gallon of RODI water from the grocery store, ver you know, like he, he yeah, anyway, I, I guess I've harped on enough about that, but it just... No, but along those same lines, though, with the stagnation of the designs, do it about like 10 years ago, you might have seen, um, I think it was a JBJ that had a... Uh, it wasn't the bio cube, but it was glass and it had like a curved front and it had the filtration in the back and it had like, you know, a nice collection of um, corals. I like how you, you, you know, took note that my reefing style changed after Eco Reef Zero and Eco Reef One. And for those of you listening, I'd like to let you know that there are videos of those tanks on YouTube. Just type in Eco Reef Zero or Eco Reef One. And I think there's a, a couple of videos up there. Um, but in that tank... Every, dude, that tank is almost identical to every tank available in the market today. Mm -hmm. The only difference being like now the, 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 the trend is for high clarity glass and sharp corners. Um, but other than that, it's just the same. But one thing that I had done back then to get more flow, because I wasn't happy with whatever return pump was in there, not to mention the return pump was not very serviceable because it's down at the bottom of the, you know, the back uh, filter compartment. And then it goes up and it bends over and it's got a little nozzle. But I drilled it out. I drilled out a nice big hole, like a wide diameter hole. And I shoved uh, the ball-shaped uh, Tunzi NanoStream, just one of the awesomest oh, small yeah. workhorse pumps of all time. Yeah. And I, put, I literally took a, a plastic bottle and just cut the cylinder out to just press right behind the pump. And all of a sudden, now I had like a ball socket propeller pump providing a bunch of flow to the tank and driving water through the aquarium. 
We've seen nothing even approaching that. No, everything's got like a pinky-sized nozzle coming out the all-in-one back, right? Why not do like a, a, a stream-type, you know, wide-flow pump as a return? You know why? Because uh, uh, like an off-brand uh, nano-stream knockoff would be like $20, and uh, an off-brand centrifugal pump is like $3. Well, I'm talking about like a wholesale price, manufacturer distribution price. It's li- that's basically what it boils down to. They want to harp on how clear their glass is and they have um, mitered edges or no mitered corners and beveled edges. And like, oh, dude, it's just glass. (laughs) It holds water at the end of the day. But yeah, if you look at the whole landscape, you just, they're so cookie cutter. I feel like there's so much more room for improvement. Okay, here's another idea. I had a 20 long, uh, 20 gallon long Zebra Placo tank. I had some waterproof LED strips underneath the glass. So when you looked at the tank, it just glowed. There was no wires. There was nothing over the tank. It just looked like it glowed from inside. I'm like, waterproof LEDs, strips have been around for a really freaking long time. I think with just a little bit more effort, you could put together a almost no, nearly all-in, uh, actually all-in-one Nano Reef tank for about $100 that actually included a, you know, a, a decent water flow pump and even some starter lighting. You know, like give them, give them one strip light and then offer some extra strip lights to go under the glass um, to help keep the tank warm and stuff. But yeah, that's... I'll go, I'll go for another one. Uh, why do nano tank manufacturers uh, that also make larger tanks, the stands on the nano tanks just look like miniature stands that you see on the larger tanks. If you don't have a sump anymore, if it's an mm. old one, and, uh, you know, the weight is less of an issue, right? We're talking about 10 gallons is a little over 100 pounds or, or 15 or 20. Do something cool with the stands, man. Like, make it an interesting furniture piece, right? Something, because people are going to, especially if you, you know, look up some of these uh, more notable nano reefs, right? Like, part of what makes them notable on Instagram is their the environment around it, right? Like, they'll have this super mm-hmm. cool shallow nano reef on a really nice mid-century console table or something and it's just the whole vibe of it right like why not do some interesting stands i mean um i don't know i'll one up you again oh man a built-in protein skimmer yeah air driven protein skimmer. why is it so hard for like these nano just, tanks to do a skimmer i don't get that just include a tiny little compartment that just has like literally a baffle that that curves inwards to make a little uh, foam collector and for tanks about that size I would argue that it's a lot easier to change out, uh, you know, $1 Limewood Airstone than it is to take out a, a, a tiny micro needle wheel pump and try to clean the impeller out. True. That would be such a great, um, what do they call those things? Uh, consumable. It would be such a great consumable product. Like you could sell, you know, two packs of Limewood Airstone for like 10 bucks. You know, you have a dollar in the two plus packaging plus distribution and, you know, a small little air pump. US, dude, I have so many USB air pumps. They make really awesome tiny micro air pumps now that use um, uh, the piezoelectric effect mm-hmm. to, cre- to pump air. So it's not a diaphragm and technically it's solid state. It's hyper quiet. And if you really want a little nano schemer in your AIO, just, yeah, include one of those. <laughs> there's like, there's so much low hanging fruit uh, for making 
uh, all in one reef. T- I love how we're talking well, about reef tanks, yeah. and most of the discussion is like, "Yo, y'all need to step up." <laughs> well, <laughs> y'all and need to step up with what you're what you're offering. Look at it as an investment, right? Uh, as the as the manufacturer or whoever, um, maybe your profit margins or your net revenue, if you overbuild something, is not great. But if the success factor of the people that are buying these tanks goes up and you build out that community bigger like you're building out a larger customer base over time right like maybe uh you know manufacturers will sometimes have that where they build products where the margins aren't so good on them but it's, at a loss, it's like the gateway drug, right? that's are how you get great. them in yep yeah mm-hmm. so yeah like sell me an all-in-one tank where you make like five bucks but then sell me you know a two pack of ten dollar wooden air stones that i buy every two months yeah like you have all that but to your greater point um yeah that definitely that's been fueling the hobby for sure that's i think that's that's not a discussion that's been had and I think that's going to be a common theme with here on reef therapy is how much the nano reef tanks have fueled the overall reef aquarium hobby to the point now where we have a lot of people who've been keeping reef tanks for 10 years or more. I mean, that used to be a, such a rare person back in the day. Yeah. I'm, like I said, I, I think there's more creativity, more interesting things often in the nano space I'm usually more blown away by a tank in in the nano spectrum than I am on the larger reefs, which uh, I think it goes to something you said earlier too, that when it's a small package, you're a little more willing to be experimental because the investment isn't as big, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to set up a 180 gallon tank, you know, that's going to be like that, uh, like your, your, elegance coral right like nobody's gonna invest that much money into something experimental like oh not nobody but not a lot of people right or no one has <laughs> yeah i'm gonna no, dedicate a whole tank to gorgonians right like that oh no on no, no 180 no. that would, would be cool. cool yeah that would be very very cool especially uh, a 210 that was nice and tall i agree um, but you, you usually see the nano guys say hey i'm going mono specific on my coral you know or something mm-hmm. cool and so I, I give them a lot of that community a lot of credit for that. I've you know what also would be great for a nano reef tank is one Christmas tree worm rock. Yeah. I have a That's 30 a gallon one. tank with like five or six pieces and a bunch of clams and a couple frags thrown around, but that would be such a great like spotlight specimen in a single um, nano reef tank. But you know it's I, I'm I have very much have the uh, get off my lawn old guy feelings about so many trends in the reef aquarium hobby um deep sand bed micro scrubbing nano bubbles um uh what is it the uh, the zigzag photo period that people are just they're just experimenting with stuff that doesn't need to be fixed um but one trend that i really can get behind is the floating aquascapes yeah I was talking very about. very cool that's been done a, a variety of different ways but like how cool would it be if someone either offered an all-in-one tank that had, um, I don't know, maybe like a hang-on bracket or uh, kind of a built-in metal part in the back of the glass where you could add like magnetic uh, shelves and stuff. So instead of having individual magnetic shelves, the whole back of your tank would be magnetic or even just the top two-thirds so you can put stuff anywhere you want. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that's another one. It's like, 
uh, what, about, what about three-dimensional backgrounds, right, made out of ceramic? That You could do that with a nano and package it like that. Um, you could print your own with a 3D printer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit standoffish on, like, ceramic stuff now because they just... I don't, I don't know how much faith I have in companies to be... Um, uh, like curing those uh, really adequately to, yeah. to get rid of the aluminum. Yeah. That's one, that's the one thing that I think, uh, ICP testing has taught us is like, yo, be, you know, just be careful of any ceramic based products with aluminum. So, um, I learned that from my old nano tank <laughs> and adding the, the, the carbon, but yeah, these just dedicated all in one tanks and yeah, floating aquascapes. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta flex on that one at some point. At some point, I got to do my version of that. I think I want to hang a hanging bracket off the back instead of a magnetic mount because I feel like that'll be a lot less stress on the back glass, especially as the corals grow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got this false wall to work with, right? That hides all the filtration. Why just mm-hmm. have it be a piece of glass? Like, as a, as a, Somebody, somebody could make that too, right? You got, you got uh, companies that make aftermarket media baskets for specific nano tanks. Somebody could get into the, you know, start getting Marco rocks or whatever and start creating aquascapes that are specifically sized for those nano reefs that, like you said, maybe they magnet or attach to that back wall or they cover the whole wall and who knows, right? Um, I'm not... I, I, I tried to do the ceramic back wall once and it, it didn't work out. But um, in a nano, I don't think that's such a bad idea because uh, especially when you got this little cube, um, you have that whole sand bed in front of you then that that's still open. Sand bed? What's that? Well, okay. <laughs> you have this whole space in front of you where you can still do a lot with, right? Like a wall... Like a false wall of rock on a big tank, yeah, okay. But on a little nano, it always made a little more sense to me the, to Absolutely. use that vertical space and keep that front area of water more open, right? You want to maximize the flow, and and you know it's you know let's not pretend it's not a small tank, and your fish probably enjoy a little more swimming room. Yeah, you know that's the, that is the thing. Like it's really daunting to whip out some um, some cement or some putty or some of the. Uh, uh, thermoplastic uh, beads and create uh, something really custom for a very large tank. But man, you can really cut your teeth um, putting together a very small little, you know, rock tree or something for your nano reef tank. And that might give you experience to lead up to uh, larger aquariums, man. So like nano reef tanks are freaking, they're just like the lifeblood of creativity for the reef aquarium hobby. Agreed. For sure. The only reason I don't have more nano tanks here at the studio is because I have a ton of, um, uh, what is that? Sorry. East, south, and west facing windows. And the first nano, t- the first tank I set up here at the studio was a nano tank, like a token nano tank. I just plopped a couple uh, hammer corals in there, maybe a little bit of candy and like a dotty back. Um, Insta reef. That's the other thing. We're going to come back to that. And, um, but throughout the seasons, the light kept coming from a different direction. So I have to set up like this one particular space here in the studio where all the nano tanks can go. They're always going to be sheltered by, you know, seasonally changing sunlight because it's a delicate balance of giving them enough light, not too little light. But as soon as, you know, sun rays coming from somewhere, it's all over. (laughs) It's all over, man. Yeah. I tore down my, uh, 
Well, it wasn't a Nano. It was the one size up from the Red Sea Nano, uh, the E170. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I tore. I I I first converted it to planted fresh water just because I got so annoyed with it. Uh, this was when I was battling dinos in two, both of my tanks. Um, and I was I got so fed up. I was like, I can only do battle in one tank, so I converted to fresh water. Uh, plus, that was in the most visible part of my house. Uh, high mm. traffic zone so that's not the place where you want primordial soup on display um but uh and then when that guy posted about the temperature and i experimented by raising the temperature and boom dino problems were solved i was like damn it i wish i had <laughs> i wish i had stumbled into that information a little sooner because i might still have a uh, a little cube reef tank upstairs but yeah you know what we should be cool man is um and and you were talking about planted aquariums and this is something that's like almost not fair that the planet aquarium people they will set up a display to reach like their creative vision take those photos take the videos shut her down it's over you know so maybe you and i could do like a like a three-month little nano reef tank it was just like just do something random with one small little nano reef tank yeah, especially if you got a big reef that you can throw everything back in and reboot yep. from. And I, mm-hmm. I noticed the Planet guys do that too. They usually have a there's a name for it. They've got like a tank where they keep all their plants. No way. Um, yeah, there's a couple. I'm a lot of plant groups. Well, there's a couple of, of YouTube guys I follow, and like when they do their little tank tours, they're like, "This is my." Uh, I don't know. Shuffling tank or something? Yeah, yeah. It's where they just got random plants growing, and they can pick out of to do an aquascape for a little while and then they throw them back in this you know just messy tank where everything's going growing like crazy and uh in a way you if you've got like a big reef tank you can kind of do that with a nano right you can like take some corals out do a cool thing and then uh it's not evil if you tear it down because you're it's not like it's going to a you know into the trash it's going into your big healthy reef tank i don't know it's i kind of like your idea yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe not, you know, next winter we're spending a little bit more time inside, but just do like a three month nano reef tank challenge. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who'd be down. They're like, "Yo, I suck let's see what we can." Though. So it'll be. It, I'll do it. I'll play. But you only uh, have to coast for yeah twelve weeks. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, I think that was a great little uh, discussion on uh, the nano reef tanks and their place in the reef aquarium hobby. Um, I get that some people want to have a hyper-engineered reef tank with all the bells and whistles, but I guess for me what stands out the most is when you use kind of creative thinking to take away different things. Like, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about lids, but that can maintain your temperature, maintain your salinity, keep the fish inside. Um, So there's a lot of awesome uh, benefits of doing that. Anything else you wanted to mention about nano reef tanks? Um, so I I brought this up before uh, in private, not uh, on our, our talks, but uh, there was a great TED talk which could be very applicable to nano reefs in the sense that um, limitations drive creativity, right? Oh, yeah. You've been mentioning that a lot lately. Yeah. Tell us more about it. Well, um, I'd have to look up the guy's name, but uh, maybe we can put it in the comments. But it was an artist, and he was into pointillism, where you make a, a larger picture that really is a lot of tiny dots, right? And he developed a shake in his hand. He couldn't do that art anymore. And so he goes to a neurologist, and the neurologist says, well, why don't you just embrace the shake? 
and uh, embrace the shake. Okay. And so he did, and then he started to realize that limitations were actually forcing his creativity. And like, whereas when he got a good paying job, and he went to the art store and bought all these art supplies, he was paralyzed. Right? Like he just he had so many options and choices that mm. his creativity vaporized. But if he limited his options, his creativity flourished. And maybe that's why you see more creativity in nanotanks because you already have an inherent limitation in size, right? It's a very small box. You're limited by what kind of species you can keep in there. Um, you're limited in the dimensions of that you can aquascape with. So that, in a way, I think drives creativity. Whereas you give somebody a six-foot tank, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, uh, what's the saying? Happiness is the absence of choice, right? Like <laughs> you give somebody a 180, there's a million things they can do. And there's that analysis paralysis and you end up in community tank zone, right? Where you just have like every type of coral and every type of fish. And it's just this, it's really not that much more special than the next guy's six foot tank. So anyway, yeah. No, that I I don't have any deeper point to end on, um, but I think we've we've covered a lot. Um, trying to condense it into a little bit more of an hour because the last one was two hours long and that was just a little harder to process. But man, we really want to thank everyone for uh, really supporting the show, um, commenting and rating us on your favorite podcatcher, and you know having that discussion in YouTube is really helping and guiding us in some of the um, different topics that we want to talk about. But I, I think we have some months left to return to uh, maybe talking about like a this limited reef tank, nano reef tank challenge. I think that would be a really fun um, just thing to participate in. So um, thanks a lot for joining me, Mark. Thanks our, for having me once again, man. Our session of reef therapy is now concluded and we'll catch you guys on the next one. See you guys. Bye.